Morning, everyone. How are we doing today? I think, uh, I think you enjoyed the, that kids one more than the children. Uh, I was maybe we could scrap the talk. Let's just have 20 minutes of heads or tails, shall we? <laughs> See if anyone can beat uh, Danielle, our winner. Now then, when I was um, about 10 or 11 years old, it was a, a lovely Swansea day like today. And if you could put my slide on for me, Michael, and uh, rain had stopped play. We had wet play, as we used to call it. Do you remember that back in the day when, you know, I used to hate that, doesn't it, when lunchtime, and then you run outside and the dinner ladies or, you know, dinner monitors, or we're not sure what they're called now, they'd send you all back in. And because we were in year six, we had the privilege that we were allowed to go to the class. We didn't have to go to the hall with all the other riffraff. We were allowed to go to, the, to our classroom, and we could sit around desks, and they, there was board games in the classroom we could play together, which was nice. And I remember... One time, in this particular um, wet uh, dinner time, we were sat around, a group of friends, uh, playing some a board game or whatever, and just chatting, when one of the boys, Johnny, came out with this story of how, when he was five years old, he'd had a brain tumour. And with the sympathy and empathy of ten-year-olds, we all went, no, you didn't. <laughs> and he was like, and he's like yes, I did. And he started to talk about it. Now, we'd all known, we'd all been in school together all the way through. And we couldn't believe it. We're like, we didn't remember this. We didn't remember that. And I was particularly shocked because uh, me and Johnny, we used to live quite close to our houses. And we used to go and play over each other's houses when we were little. And I particularly liked going over Johnny's house because he had great Batman toys. I remember I loved playing with his Batman together. And we were shocked. We were like... You know, this isn't true. Now, it just so happened that Johnny's mum was a dinner lady. So, because none of us believed him, he went and got his mum to come and tell us the story. And uh, she came into the room and she said, um, yeah, when, you know, Johnny was five, you know, he was diagnosed with a brain... I can't remember how she explained it, but she was telling the story, how, you know, he had a, uh, had a, a brain tumour and they'd been to the hospital and things. And then she came up with this line, which... Uh, shocked everyone, and me probably the most. And she said, you know, he'd been to his office. And then she said, and then one day, Matthew's dad, Julian, came over the house and prayed for Jonathan. And uh, when we went back to the hospital and they did the scan again, the brain tumor had gone. And uh, at that point, where, where's all our friends had looked at Jonathan shocked? Now all the friends turned to me, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was shocked. And uh, so I came home from school. I was like, Dad, did you pray for Jonathan in school for a brain tumour? And yeah, my dad explained what happened. One day he was at the school gate, queuing, you know, waiting outside to pick me up. And Jonathan's mum turned around to him, uh, burst into tears, and explained how Jonathan had been diagnosed with a brain tumour. And so my dad said, oh, well, you know, would you like me to come around and pray for him? So we went around the house, prayed for Jonathan, and the next time they went for further tests and scans, the brain tumor had completely gone. And he didn't need any operation, any treatment, or anything of that nature, which is probably why, as children, none of us could remember it, because he was never off school or anything like that with it. Now, that's the first healing story I can remember when I was a little boy. A more recent one, uh, just before Christmas, I was in Germany, uh, chat, uh, speaking at a friend's church there, a friend of mine who lives out there in, um, works for a church out there, and was sharing some healing stories and things, and I was sharing the story about uh, Blod, who uh, Julian shared last week, who was healed of arthritis, and as I was sharing, it was like a day of seminars, as I was sharing this story, there was one lady there who was a physio, 
maybe in around her mid-50s. And she also had um, arthritis in her hands, which obviously made her job particularly difficult. And she also had, like, um, with the language barriers, difficult, but I think it was kind of like tendonitis, is what she was explaining, from massaging people. That's kind of how she explained it to me. And as I was sharing the story of what had happened with blood and how she'd been prayed for and her arthritis, uh, one week all the pain went, and the next week she was prayed for again and all the swelling had went. Uh, as I was just explaining this story in the talk, her hands started to feel warm, and the pain of the arthritis that she had all the time started to, to go. And then in the little break, she came and shared with me, and so prayed for her, and I got a couple of us, we just prayed for her together. And after praying for a few times, all the pain had gone. Uh, then we prayed for her four arms, all the pain there went, and, all the, and the swelling went down as well. And it was completely, you know, to appearance and to her how it felt was completely normal. So that's one of a very recent story. So when we look through the Bible and we look through the accounts of Jesus' life, we see that Jesus healed people all the time. And Jesus is alive today. And he's at work in our lives today. He partners with us, his followers, in churches all across the world to wanting to bring his goodness, his love, his purposes, his healing, his forgiveness, his rescue into our world and for us into our community right here where we are in Swansea. Paul, one of Jesus' followers, he put it this way and said this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus lives within us through his Holy Spirit and partners with us to do the things that Jesus did in our world today and to bring his love and life into our world. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Julian last week talked a bit about the big picture of uh, healing and the theology of healing and what it means and why we do it. And, but if you've been coming along uh, here for a little while or been watching online, you may have noticed that healing and stories of people who've been healed and praying for people is something that we talk about a lot, isn't it? And it's something that we practice a lot. And I've, in fact, this week I was chatting with someone who's been coming along for maybe since uh, last summer, and they commented to me, oh, I noticed that you talk about healing a lot. And for us as a church, our name is uh, Cornerstone. That's the, the name that when the church started, they decided to give it. And here's a little pamphlet all the way back from 1991. Uh, the first, I think it's probably a first little pamphlet from the church when it started. And I love how it says here, Cornerstone has a contemporary style and our times together are relaxed and informal. The worship is lively and teaching from the Bible shows a radical alternative for living in the 90s. There we go. <laughs> but they decided to call the church Cornerstone. And uh, that's a name that Jesus used once to describe himself, that he is the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is, you know, when there would be a building, the cornerstone was like a foundation stone that all the other stones were built on and aligned to the shape of that stone. Talking about buildings, as Sean said, we've just moved house. And um, in the house we were going into, some of the um, doors, uh, you know when they don't fit properly, and so we had to get a carpenter to come and trim them. And there was a couple of doors in the garage, and these doors were really heavy. And um, the carpenter that turned up was in his 70s, I think he was maybe like 73. And I was thinking, oh, these doors are really heavy. So I offered, I said, wish I would get the doors for you from the garage. He said, oh, yeah, if you would. So I went to the garage, and 
Honestly, they were, they were really heavy. And I was trying to not scratch them or dent them. I didn't want to get in trouble with pressures. So as carefully as I can, I'm like creeping this, you know, <laughs> door around the corner into the house. And then I could hear some like footsteps behind me. And I look over my shoulder. And this guy has got the door up on his arm. And he's just marching past me like this. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, i got to get my act together. So anyway. <laughs> so Jesus described himself as the cornerstone. On one occasion... He's being questioned by the religious leaders and the political leaders. And these were the people who went on to hand Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified. And Jesus said this to them as they were questioning him and about why he was here and what he was doing. Jesus knew what was ahead and he gave this kind of prophetic answer as he quotes the Old Testament. And he said this, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This the Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. And Jesus is referring to himself, that he was you know, rejected by the religious leaders, but he, you know, and he was killed, but he died and he rose again. And now he is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. So Jesus gives this picture of himself as the cornerstone. And as his followers, we're built on him, shaped by him, led by him. And so that's why Jesus says to us, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. So as followers of Jesus, we're, he's our leader. He's the one that we follow. We are shaped by him. We are built on him. The shape that he gives us is the shape that we have. The things that he did is the things that we do. He, we are built on him. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. We're sent in the same way. Now, even though Jesus says here, anyone who believes in me, sometimes we might read this and we think, well, yes, but maybe Jesus was kind of talking to his disciples and the followers there and then and the people were around him. Maybe that's who he means. But later on, Jesus says this as a, a very famous passage, the last thing he says before he returns to heaven. And he says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So all nations, including us here in Wales, the nation of Wales, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So we see here that includes us, doesn't it? You know, we're a nation of the world, and, you know, we are some many years later, but Jesus says to the very end of the age. So, you know, any future nations or future decades to come are also included. So we're included as well. So it's good to ask ourselves then, if Jesus says, you know, that we would be taught to do everything that he commanded and taught his followers to do there and then, if we're included, every, you know, everything... Well, what does that include? What did Jesus do? And what did he teach his disciples to do? And as we look through the pages of Jesus' life, we see one of the main things that he did and that he taught his followers to do was to heal, was to heal the sick. So if we look in Matthew's gospel, for example, Matthew's gospel, when you read through it, is full of stories. And it's full of specific occasions where, you know, this time Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee, or this time Jesus went to, um, you know, Capernaum, or this time Jesus went to this person's house, or this time Jesus met with this person. There's full of like lots of specific stories, 
but also throughout the gospel, Matthew occasionally summarizes in a sentence or two, almost like what Jesus has been up to that week. I'd be like, if you walked in this morning and someone said, oh, how's your week been? You might say, oh, well, you know, I was, I was back in work this week, and that's your, like, summary of the week, isn't it? Most of the week you were in work, and you don't necessarily unpack all the details, so that's your summary, and then you say, oh, but, you know, last night we went to the cinema, and, you know, we saw this film, and it was really good, so that's your specific story. Are you with me? So Matthew's Gospel, we see these two together. So let's have a little look at how Matthew, from time to time, summarizes Jesus' working week, the things he got up to most of the time in just a summary or two beside the specific stories. Are you ready? Okay, so here we go. This is what it says. In Matthew 4, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Moving on from there, Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountain and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them all. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them all. So we see for Jesus, wherever he went, healing was central to what he did. Day in, day out, is probably one of the things he spent his most time doing. And then he sent out his followers to do the same things. So, for example, one time he sent them out, uh, 72 of them out in pairs. And he said, go into towns and villages, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. And so for us as a church, as followers of Jesus, and as people who want to be built on Jesus, it's important that we value healing the same way that Jesus did. And that's why it's something that we do, it's something that we talk about, it's something that we practice, it's something that we want to learn, it's something that we want to encourage and to grow in and to see more of, just like Jesus did. It's why as part of our vision uh, for the year, to give it that particular focus, uh, Sarah unpacked a couple of weeks ago about our vision of, of community and mission and miracles and to grow in these things. And so if you're uh, new to the church or you've been joining in online recently and that's been a question, I wonder why they talk about healing so much. Well, this is why, because it's something that Jesus talked about a lot, and Jesus did a lot. In fact, it's something he did every day, and we're followers of Jesus, called to do the things that Jesus did, and so we want to value it like Jesus did, because we're built on him, and so we want to give it that attention. But why did Jesus value healing so highly? Um, why did he give so much time to it? Why was it important to him? 
Well, on one occasion, Jesus had been in a particularly busy uh, season, a particularly busy time, and it says this in Mark 6, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So he said to them, let's go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and you can rest a while. Have you ever had a, a day like that or a week like that where you're, you're so busy, you forget to eat, little, maybe a little hungry headache creeps up on you uh, later on in the day? I remember during the um, pandemic when Precious was working in the hospital and how you know, there was no food or drink allowed on the wards and you know, they could go like a whole day without she'd come home and she hadn't eaten or drinking anything that day. Sometimes you couldn't even get to the toilet. It was so crazy. So Jesus and his disciples, this is what it was like for them at the moment. And then at that time as well, says Jesus heard that his cousin John had been killed by King Herod. And so in Matthew 14, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. And this is the first reason why healing was so important for Jesus. It reveals his compassion, that Jesus cares about our lives. He wants to bring wholeness and freedom and healing to our whole lives. And sickness and pain was never in his plan or desire for humanity. And ultimately, why Jesus came into the world is to bring healing to our world in its entirety, to bring rescue and restoration. In Mark 1, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Moves with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And this is one of the key things to remember, what Jesus says here. I am willing. I am willing. And Julian unpacked this last week. And this is really important for us to grasp, that Jesus is willing. Sometimes we might feel like the man here who came towards Jesus and obviously had heard other people's stories and seen other people's things, but wondered, is, that, is Jesus willing for me? Is Jesus willing and I don't know if you've ever asked that question. When I pray for someone or when I ask for prayer, is Jesus willing? When we look at Jesus' life, we see he never turned someone away who came to him for healing. And I remember um, we had a, a guy in the church, many of you know, Phil, who recently, him and his wife Lynn, moved to be closer to family. And um, I remember him once coming forward for prayer and saying how he had had three motorcycle accidents back in his younger days, but since then, for 30 or 30 years plus, he had been in, in just constant pain after these accidents, um, in his back, in his legs, affecting his mobility, and he just lived in pain all of the time. And he said he'd never asked for prayer because he didn't know if he was valuable enough to, to, go, to, to ask someone to pray for him, until one, one day someone was doing a talk, and a bit like this one, and suddenly he realized, no, I can ask for prayer. And he came forward and he asked for prayer and he got healed of all of his pain that very morning. Uh, in fact, I, I prayed for him actually. And I remember then later in the week giving him a call to see how he was. And all I could show on the phone was like, 
sorry, everyone online. <laughs> I was like, Phil, where are you? He's like, I'm in the Black Mountains. I'm going for a walk. I'm feeling nimble. I'm feeling fit. And uh, all the fear was gone. In fact, I got a little clip, actually. I think someone uh, you were sharing with you, wasn't he? And uh, you filmed him sharing his story. So, Michael, if you could play that next slide and if you can get the My sound. This is, uh, maybe if you go back so we've got the sound ready. Thanks, Mike. And then have a little listen. My name's Phil, and today I went up for prayer because I've been in so much pain, the whole of my body. And I've been in pain for 30 years. I've had three motorbike accidents. The last one put me in hospital, uh, damaged all my spine and my legs. And I've fallen 40 feet before now and damaged my feet. And today I've got healed. I was prayed for and I'm healed and I just can't get over it. The pain's gone, my body is supple, I feel nimble. And it's strange just not having this pain. I just can't get over it. I've been healed. And I'm so thankful that I went up for prayer because pride got in the way. I just couldn't go up for prayer thinking I wasn't valuable enough. And now I'm healed. I'm so glad I went up. Thank you, Lord. That's great, isn't it? So healing reveals Jesus' compassion. And it also shows Jesus' power. That Jesus has real power to rescue. And Jesus came to heal our world in its entirety. Now, in recent months, you've probably come across this guy, Martin Money Lewis. Um who is like the money-saving expert. Hands up if you've heard or seen Martin Lewis, okay, most of us. And he's got full of great tips and things. Now, Martin Lewis, he is brilliant. He gives tips, advice, management, to, and all these different tools and things to help people, isn't it, save money, to get the best deal, uh, even helps people get out of debt, to, you know, manage, and he's, and he's brilliant. But recently, I heard an interview with him and he was saying, with the way things have been recently, especially with the energy crisis and things, he said that he's like, he's out of tools to help people in the way that he normally would. And his usual advice can now, it can only go so far because it's, whereas before he would give advice and within the system of how our economics and our, you know, energy bills and things work, he could help people, isn't it, get a deal or save money and make changes and it was really helpful, but the way that it is now, he was saying, it's almost like there's a ceiling on the system, and it's like the system is broken, and his tools now can only help people get so far, and it's not really enough anymore, and he's saying, now it needs outside intervention to fix the system itself. Now, for us in our lives, when we think about our whole lives, and we think about what Jesus has done for us in our lives, Jesus is so much more than just helpful tips on our ways of living to make our lives a bit better within this broken world that we live in. That there's like a ceiling of our broken world that we all experience with, you know, struggles and pain and death and suffering and all these things. And Jesus is so much more than just how can we make the most of things with the way things are. Jesus is God himself who came into our world to break through the ceiling of brokenness and pain and death over our world. And whereas our world and humanity have been held captive 
to injustice, to sickness, to pain, to death and to sin, where we found ourselves separated from God's perfect love and plan and intention for our lives and for our world, Jesus came in that outside intervention to break through that and bring a total rescue and healing and to fix the system of our world entirety. And Jesus came into our world, and that's how he did it. By coming into our world, Jesus lived in perfect relationship with God in his entirety. He never sinned. And so when he was killed and died on the cross, death couldn't hold him because Jesus had done nothing wrong and he was never separated from the Father. And so he broke through that ceiling of death and he, as a man, came back to life again, winning for us eternal life. And after a period of 40 days, he returned to heaven where he's alive now. And one day, Jesus promises to return to our world and bring a total restoration and healing in our world. And heaven and earth and God and humanity will be in one place for eternity, forever. And the system will be totally, the system, if you like, will be totally healed and no more pain, no more sickness, no more poverty, no more injustice, no more death. He has won for us the gift of eternal life. And when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, he comes and lives in our lives now and begins that work in our lives and in our hearts now. It brings us into a relationship with God, that he lives within us today, that we know him in our lives. We see him at work in our lives, bringing a, a change and a transformation and increasing freedom into our lives. And he empowers us to bring that goodness into the world around us where we are now. Whilst we wait for Jesus to return, he commissions us to bring the things of heaven into our world now. So Jesus said, in, in and amongst our broken world today, seek and advance the kingdom of God, the things of heaven now. Now when we look through the Old Testament and we look at the early church, we see how they lived in amongst and in the midst of our broken world as well. And they experienced all the things that we experienced. They experienced sickness. They experienced suffering. They experienced pain. They experienced setbacks and disappointments. And that's the same for us as well, isn't it? That's, that's what we experience. We all go through those things. And we know that not every time that we pray for someone, that someone is healed because we still live in this broken world. And we know that one day Jesus will return and this broken world will be totally healed and we will all enter in as we put our faith in Jesus. We will all receive our healing then for all eternity, for all eternity, which will be amazing. And I can't wait. But in this broken world now, we know that we are called to advance and pursue more of that and we're on that journey of that right now in this moment. And this is the same in the early church. They faced the experiences of our broken world as well, but they continued to advance the things of Jesus. So in Acts 12, for example, James, who was one of the 12 disciples, is arrested and is killed by King Herod. But then Peter is also arrested and imprisoned. And the church gathered to pray, and Peter has a miraculous escape from prison. And so we see that in the midst of disappointments and brokenness, the early church continued to pray in the power of the Spirit and to see Jesus do amazing things through them. 
And they didn't allow the disappointments and the setbacks and the brokenness we experience to put them off pursuing more of what Jesus wants to bring into our world and wanted to bring through them. And so that's the same for us too, isn't it? As we go on this journey and as we pursue more of God, yes, we experience the brokenness and, and, it's, and it's challenging and it's hard. But at the same time, we know the life and the goodness that God wants to bring into our world, that he is bringing into our world, and that we can pursue more of and we can learn more of and we can go for it together, knowing that one day Jesus will bring it in full and we can celebrate together. And so that's the calling that we have on our lives, just like they did. And we can do it just like they did. And so when we pray for people who are unwell or sick, we too are expressing Jesus' compassion for people. It's a way that we can show that we love others, that we care for others, that we value others, and that what we've experienced in our lives, we want to bring to them. And so let's not hold back from doing that. And the second thing, we too, as we do that, we reveal the power that Jesus has, that he is alive today, that he's risen from the dead, that he has a power to make a real difference in our lives now, and that there's a promise of all that is ahead of us, the gift of eternal life, the healing of our world, and everything that is ahead. And we can witness to it now in the present. And so healing, in summary, was really, really important to Jesus. He did it every single day. It was central to his mission. It was central to what he came to do. And so for us as a church, let's continue to value it like Jesus did. And let's continue to give it the attention that Jesus did. Because we want to be a church and a people who are built on Jesus and shaped by him. So are you up for that? So let's continue to learn and to grow and to pursue it together. So why don't I pray? And then after we close the meeting... We can uh, pray for people this morning, and if anyone would like to come forward for prayer, uh, to, we'd love to pray for you uh, for healing as we do every week. Jesus, I thank you that you are alive today. I thank you that you are at work in our lives. I thank you that you came into our world to bring a rescue and to bring healing, and you are outworking that and partnering with us to do that in our world today. I thank you for the amazing healings that we have seen as a church together. And I pray by your spirit, would you empower us to have the courage and the boldness to continue to pray and to continue to see you do amazing things and to bring your compassion and your rescue into our lives and to the people around us that we know and that we love and that you love. And so Holy Spirit, I invite you here now. And I ask would you come and fill us again with your power. And I pray would you come and meet us today and bring healing into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.